Good morning, baby gamers. This is Breaking the Lore, a show where two girlfriends dig deep to find the weirdest and most obscure bits of trivia. I'm Mrs. Girlfriend, Sarah. And I'm Sarah's girlfriend, Nissa. So buckle up, because tonight's episode is... Can you tell me how to get to Sesame Street? Why? Because that's today's episode. <laughs> <laughs> that one was kind of hard to come up with a bit for i'm gonna be yeah, honest it's a weird one yeah we were considering just singing the entire theme song but it just it felt too long you know yeah it's too long maybe, maybe we can sing it and record it to patreon or something mm-hmm. i mean i thought my cover sounded pretty cute it is it is really good <laughs> i said cute i mean it is cute <laughs> <laughs> so what's your experience with this one um so i watched sesame street as a kid um like everybody did um, <laughs> and that's kind of it like i i love the muppets in general so like i have like a lot of like great reverence for sesame street but i haven't like watched much of it since i was a kid so I'm probably going to say something that's common knowledge that I just straight up forgot about or never realized. Like, I mean, depends on how much general audience knows about Sesame Street, doesn't it? I don't know if you guys are really deep into Sesame Street or if it's something you just watched when you were a kid, but hopefully you'll learn at least one thing you didn't know or look at something in a new light during this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, Sesame Street was definitely a big thing for me. I was the one who suggested this episode. Um, and not, it's not really like the same level of like the Phineas and Ferb episode where I was like, this episode has to happen because it's going to be my cornerstone, like big fandom episode that like really matters to me in a like foundational way. But this show was really important to me as a kid and I watched it a lot as a kid. Um, my mom and my dad had also watched it as kids and they both liked it a lot. So they made sure that I watched it when I was the right age. And my sisters as well. And just like, I just, I remember being on a lot. I remember a lot of episodes when we were researching this. I was seeing a lot of um, episodes that I remembered watching as a kid. Um, A lot of characters I remember seeing. Um, And I also, I had a lot of Sesame Street merch as a kid too. My little sister had, like, the Elmo's World toy set, and we had almost all of those, like, Sesame Street beanie plushes. Um, I think they made, like, 24 of them or something like that, and we were only missing Guy Smiley, the Tweedlebug, and, like, maybe I think Baby Natasha and Barkley. Um, we had most of them. I think we still do. I think they're in my parents' house in a closet somewhere. But, um, oh, we had the, like, talking bug plush from Elmo and Grouchland. (laughs) Um, a bunch of just, like, figures in general from Sesame Street. Um, we still have some, like, vintage um, ceramic Sesame Street ornaments that are really nice. I think we've broken, I think we broke the Burt one. If I remember when we were kids, we broke the Burt one accidentally because we used to play with them because they were like, because they were like 
little figures. So we would play with yeah. them when it was Christmas time because we were little kids and we didn't notice that they were incredibly breakable. And we, we definitely broke Bert. I think we broke his nose off. Um, no, Bert! It wasn't on purpose. It wasn't out of maliciousness towards Bert. I know. I know. Bert's cool. He's got a nice pigeon named Bernice. Like, <laughs> come on. I, I was fine with Bert. When I when I went to the New York State Museum and they had a pigeon on display, I was like, there's Bernice. <laughs> so, just goes to show you, doesn't it? Um but yeah we still have a bunch of those uh, I think the Big Bird one and the Cookie Monster one in particular are still in really good condition and now that I'm talking oh, about nice. this I kind of want to take the Cookie Monster one for our Christmas tree <laughs> it's a really nice one that's um, good but yeah Sesame Street was just like a big thing for our childhood for my childhood rather I guess I meant our meaning me and my sisters um, we also like went to i don't remember what it's called well okay so i mentioned the new york state museum that has a little sesame street exhibit that's really cute that i liked a lot as a kid um babe i've taken you there we have a yeah no i i i yes i saw it as well i thought i liked it a lot it was the coolest part yeah no we have a picture uh we can post the picture of us there on our twitter after this episode drops um it's a picture of us with Oscar the Grouch. And Slimy's there too, but my head is covering him, so not much you can do about that. Sorry, Slimy. But it's just like a little like standee of like the Sesame Street building and then Oscar's trash can in that little area and a TV playing old Sesame Street episode footage and a little bench you can sit on to just kind of take it all in. And I've always, I, I loved that part a lot as a little kid, and I still do. Um, it was probably, you said it was the best part. It was probably my favorite part of going to the New yeah, York State really, Museum. It's really cool. Too. It's really cool. Um, but then we also went to, I don't know what it's called. It was some kind of day trip distance from Albany, New York. I know that. But it was this like Sesame Street Museum or like this children's museum with a huge amount of Sesame Street content. I was like, I only really have vague memories because I was really young. But I remember there was, like, a big bird nest that was, like, life-size that you could, like, climb into. And there was, like, a movie theater with, like, full Ernie and Bert puppets in, like, the balcony seating. Like, it was just a really, really, really detailed, like, Sesame Street exhibit or Sesame Street Museum. Again, I don't remember which one it was. And I wish I could remember what it's called. If I remember what it's called, I'll make some post on Twitter about how I was so dumb for forgetting or whatever. But, um, oh, we're, that's where I was going with this part of the story. Sorry, I always ramble for an inordinate amount of time about my experiences with the media we're talking about because I <laughs> get too caught up in my old memories of it. But um, last last part of this memory, I promise, probably. Um... I actually have a VCR tape. Like that's how that's how old this memory is. Um, I have a VCR tape of there was this like green screen thing there, and you could get like footage of you interacting with a pre-recorded um, Sesame Street like sketch skit type <laughs> thing. So I have a. Um, a VHS of little toddler me 
interacting with a cow and sketch. And oh, baby, <laughs> I, can, I can see if I can find it at my parents' house. I think we have a VCR, babe. Um, right? Do we have some sort of VCR? Uh, I have one. I don't know if it works, but we can make it work. My parents also have VCR. Again, I don't know if it works. So between those, I haven't, I haven't used my VCR in fifteen years. <laughs> yeah, ditto for my parents' VCR. So between the two ambiguously working abandoned VCRs, I'm sure we can find some way to watch this home video and then realize it's horribly embarrassing and turn it off almost immediately and never watch it again. Because um, I know I'm just going to be cringing the whole time at little toddler me. Um, that's something that won't be making its way to Patreon unless like... <laughs> maybe at like the like king of monsters level if you like really commit to that and you like stick with it for a couple months um maybe then i'll open up the old family vault and put that maybe one on I'll, the internet maybe i'll leak it maybe i'll leak it maybe we'll we'll, we'll see but uh subscribe to patreon if you want to make it happen um but um but yeah, and then also Anna as a toddler interacting with, um, I think, Grover. Um, <laughs> Kara was only an infant at the time, so I don't think she has one. Um, actually, I think my mom carrying her might be in a sketch with Rosita or something like that. That sounds kind of familiar, because I think my mom was in one. And I think she would have been carrying little baby Kara. So I now I kind of want to go dig this up, even though I really don't want to watch it. <laughs> I want to watch it. Okay, we can watch it at some point, baby. <laughs> but yeah, that's... That's my Sesame Street history. That's way more detailed than mine. It was a very... I mean, I said it wasn't like a foundational thing like Phineas and Ferb for you, but it was like a very foundational thing. Not in terms of my fandom experience or in terms of my like interacting with the wider community and finding friends experience because I didn't like interact with sesame street fans or like find friends through sesame street it was just something that was very present in my early childhood and something that i liked a lot and was really obsessed with in my early childhood yeah i get it yeah like like it's different but still important I i don't know what episode we're gonna get to where we find my foundational fandom and friendship history i don't know if i actually have anything like that but Uh we'll see when we get there won't we Mm -hmm. um so we could go into lore we could but i think i found the museum you were talking about oh shit you found the museum already yeah oh man guys we don't even need to make a tweet we can just embarrass me live in the episode (laughs) Um, the Strong National Museum of Play in Rochester, New York. Does that sound right? Rochester is a day trip from Albany, New York. Yeah. They have uh, Say Hello to Big Bird and sit on the famous 123 Sesame Street Stoop. Oh, yeah. I'm looking um, at it now. Yeah. <laughs> Visit with Elmo, Dorothy, and Mr. Noodle in the crayon-colored Elmo's World and make your television debut with Abby Kadabby. Cook a meal in the Cookie Monster foodie truck. Use the payphone to call your favorite character. Read a book in Gina's daycare and pull up a chair with the Yogibo sensory-friendly seating. Uh, pretend to drive a big yellow taxi cab with Elmo and Cookie Monster in the Sesame Street playground. Play hopscotch, chess, and checkers. 
Enjoy favorite Sesame Street episodes with Bert and Ernie in the Circle of the, in the Square Cinema. Make a stop at Bird Travel and go on an adventure with, with Planet Sesame, where you can watch episodes of Sesame Street from all over the world. Discover the history of Tickles the Monkey, a toy prototype that served as the inspiration for the Tickle Me Elmo toys, and climb into Big Bird's Nest for a rest. Yep, this is this is exactly that. I'm looking at the pictures as they scroll through, and yep, you, you, good good job finding it as soon as I was like, oh, I have no idea what this museum was called, and I also didn't try to find it. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, I mean, obviously there have been some changes, like television debut with Abby Cadabby, I assume, replaced the, like, acting yeah. in a sketch with Count and Grover and all of them. Which, it is a shame that they replaced it with a single character when it used to be, like, multiple. Mm. But, eh, I get it. But, like, what really did it for me was, like, the first picture that showed up was the Cookie Monster foodie truck. And I was like, I wanted to say when I was describing it that there was, like, some kind of food truck or something. <laughs> and, yeah, the I remember because I... I also had, like, a weird obsession as a kid with plastic play food. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah, I just really liked play food. Like, not, like, trying to eat it or anything. I just really liked it as a concept. I liked, like, <laughs> looking at it and, like, touching it. I had this one, like, plastic piece of chicken. I think it came with um, the Fisher-Price shopping cart. Like, grocery store shopping cart. If we can find that, I'll post it on our Twitter. Um, there's no value to finding it now, babe, because they can't see it. Um, I know. But it came with this, like, piece of chicken that you could, like, turn the, like, like, the hand, like, you know, like, the bone part that you would hold if it was a real piece of chicken? Mm-hmm. And it would, like, spin part of it to make it look bitten with, like, a little, like, bitten, like, little bite mark, like, ruts. And I liked to just, like, <laughs> run my finger over, like, the bite marks. Oh, but um but yeah I, there's there's your fun baby nessa fact of the day i was weirdly obsessed with play food there was also this like little hamburger that you could like extend or shut to have i think it was from the same fisher price set they had like a lot of like mobile like food toy things it was really cute that you could like extend or shut to like have different toppings or different amount of patties it was like a pretty pretty high-tech toy burger if i do say so myself <laughs> Um, I'll post a picture of these on our Twitter if, if I feel okay. like it and find them. Um, but yeah, no, that museum, because then, like, the circle in the square cinema um, with Bert and Ernie, that was what I was describing. So, yeah. Um, I know it's a children's museum. Can we go, babe? I kind of want to. It looks pretty cool. Like, I don't remember what else they have besides the Sesame Street stuff, but can we please go? Yeah. Like, I guess we need to have, like, a child or something. But, like, I I don't need a child. Do adults just go to this on their own? I mean, maybe. Can adults just go to this on their own? What are the rules? I feel like this is a little too much of a tangent. I mean, I guess. Sorry, guys. You don't need to be here for the trip planning of if Sarah and I, as 23-year-olds, are going to the Children's Museum without having a child. Um, Seriously, though, I kind of want to go. But um, we'll keep you guys updated on Twitter about this adventure. And if we go, we'll take pictures and post them. Um, But yeah, this is too much of a tangent. We should get to the lore. But first... But first, who's your favorite Sesame Street? My, my favorite Sesame Street? Yeah, who's your favorite Sesame Street? <sighs> okay, that's 
That's a really loaded question. Well, let's but... okay, let's establish rules first. Oh. Okay. It should be like a Sesame Street character. Kermit is a gray area. Miss Piggy is not a Sesame Street character, even though I'm no, pretty sure not. she's appeared on it. Um Like I'd say Kermit is like a coward's answer. Even if you like Kermit, because I feel like you could just say he's your favorite Muppet character and pick a like more Sesame Streety character to be your favorite Sesame Street character, but those are the only rules I really have for this game, so. Well, like, I mean, I love Kermit, but I wouldn't really consider him a Sesame Street character. I think um, he's a gray area. I think he's had prominence on both. He's, like, like, sure, he he has, but I associate him primarily with The Muppet Show, and, like, Disney owns his ass now, so he's definitely a Muppet. I mean, I guess that's fair. I guess I'm just, like, I associate him equally with The Muppet Show, and his reporter persona, and his reporter persona, to my knowledge, is fairly Sesame Street exclusive. Yeah, no. Kermit the Frog here Kermit with Sesame frog. Street news. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. I mean, it probably has a lot to do with that I didn't watch the Muppet Show until I was like school or high school, but I watched Sesame Street as a little kid. So like my formative Kermit experience was him as a reporter. Mm. Anyway, so I think my um. My answer is, I think when I was a kid, my favorites were Bert and Ernie. Aww, you're gay. Um, I I think I had, like, a VHS tape that was, like, a bunch of, like, Bert and Ernie segments, and I watched that a lot. Something like that. Did it have, Uh, did it have the pyramid one? Yes, it definitely had the pyramid one. Aw, that one freaked me out as a kid. (laughs) Oh, that one's burned into my mind. No, it's burned into my mind, too, because I had Elmo Says Boo, <laughs> which was the Halloween special at Count's Castle. And I watched <laughs> the fuck out of that as a kid. I watched it <laughs> all year round, whenever I felt like. And um, and it had the, the pyramid with the statue coming alive and dancing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that freaked me out, and I, I think I still have, like, a slight fear of statues coming alive because of it. Oh. My, I don't know who my favorite Sesame Street character would be now, though. You haven't watched it recently enough or interacted with the characters recently enough to, like, make a guess? I mean, like, I have. It's more like, it's, it's more like I just can't decide. Who are you deciding between? I think I like the count a lot. <laughs> um, also, Oscar the Grouch. That's a good one. I'd say probably those two are the ones I'm like. Cause they're they're really funny to me. Both of them are. <laughs> he, he lives in a trash can. He does. We're gonna get into that a little more later. It's not gonna be the first lore we get to because it's a little too juicy for that. But we'll. We'll get there when we get there. It's a surprise we'll tool to help us later. Um, I mean, Drift compatible, because as a kid, I was fucking obsessed with Count. Like, <laughs> I almost stole a Count figure from my preschool, my Catholic preschool. <gasps> That's right, I almost stole a Count von Count action figure from right beneath the eyes of Jesus Christ himself. Oh, wow. Okay. Also, um, imagine little me in a Catholic preschool. 
Um, but like, okay, in my defense, I was obsessed with Count. I had asked my parents for a Count figure, and there just weren't any on the market at that time, and that was before mm. internet shopping. So you couldn't just, like, go find one. And also my parents distrusted internet shopping for, like, years, even oh. after. Like, I think my parents still have a huge grudge against eBay. Um, <laughs> like, honestly, I had a grudge against eBay until we started dating. Really? It was completely unfounded, yeah. Like... I think the first thing you ordered for us as a gift or for me from eBay was that like lot of Star Wars plushies. And I and like I remember my gut reaction was just like, why did you get it on eBay when you could have gotten it from some reputable site where they're not I, some... I, I literally couldn't have had I couldn't have because no, I know. it was a, a lot. Like No, I know full well. <laughs> a lot of those weren't for sale anywhere else. I know full well. I'm just saying my parents had instilled <laughs> such a like baseless hatred of ebay but like i mean i think it was just because it was like other people's stuff and my parents were very like everything well, i've has always to loved ebay like as a kid i looked at ebay all the time trying to find you know bargains well i remember my like aunt gave me these vintage star wars figures when i was younger and then we like looked at ebay for vintage star wars figures and my dad like found out and he like freaked out he was like i don't need like you know i don't know like i said my parents were just always very touchy about like other people's stuff and getting things secondhand um i think yeah i don't i don't really feel like getting into it now but um (laughs) but yeah no that's what i was i don't even remember how i got on the subject of ebay oh right because this was before internet shopping um anyway just to clarify i'm totally cool with secondhand stuff and ebay now i don't (laughs) again i had no real reason to be against it it was just one of those ingrained by my parents things and i'm sitting on a bed with like 20 ebay plushies i'm pretty sure (laughs) a lot of star wars plushies that i bought secondhand on this bed um but yeah um so this was before internet shopping so like they couldn't just go find account when they had to find it in a store and they just couldn't. But then my preschool had this really nice count figure. And it was like in good condition. It was him. He was holding two ice cream cones. His cape was kind of flared in like a way that showed off the pink lining. Oh, I was really, I really liked the pink lining. Like the like Sesame Street, like bean plushy, the like series that I was mentioning earlier. One with count doesn't have the pink lining. It's just a green cloak. And I was very like, I like this plushy, but. They missed the most important detail. Um, Ironically, when I had a homemade Count Halloween costume as a child. Oh, shoot. How old was I? I think I was three or maybe four. I had a sign with clip art bats and the number that was my age. Because he counts. So, like, (laughs) I think I was three or four. Um... But ironically, with that, I, I did a, like, Lando Calrissian-esque, like, gold, like, pattern interior to my cape instead of a pink interior. So, yeah, just kind of betraying my own preferring the pink interior of the cape. Um, <laughs> there was a mistake to do Sesame Street, because I'm going to ramble for way longer than... Yeah, no, it's we already gone. <laughs> Thank you guys for, by the way, putting up with a half hour of 
pointless rambling in the beginning of almost every episode. Like, I hope you guys are invested in us enough to, like, not be completely bored by us talking about our lives and experiences and completely unnecessary tangents. But if you're not, I mean, and you're really gritting your teeth through it, thank you. I mean, this is more than usual. Because Sesame Street means more to me than usual. I understand. At any rate, the moral of the story is I tried... Well, I didn't try to steal it. I just made up elaborate plans to steal it, and then I didn't because I was like, <laughs> you know, stealing's wrong. And to this day, I do not have a count figure. Aww. Never got one. I should have stolen that one, to be honest. I don't think that the Catholic preschool would have punished the three-year-old very harshly. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, uh, so yeah, Count was my favorite as a little kid. I think I still like Count. Um, I still feel attached to Count at the very least. Um, yeah, this has gone on too long, so. Yeah, really way too long. <laughs> Sorry, I hope our no. listeners care enough about me to care about this. Me too. <laughs> um, I promise we'll we'll do some lore now. Uh, babe, throw out, throw out a fun bit of lore. Give them something to listen to that they actually came here for. Um, Mr. Noodle has six siblings. He really does. <laughs> Mr. Noodle. Mr. Noodle's brother, Mr. Noodle. Mr. Noodle's other brother, Mr. Noodle. <laughs> Mr. Noodle's other, other brother, Mr. Noodle. Mr. Noodle's sister, Miss Noodle. Mr. Noodle's other sister, Miss Noodle. And Mr. Noodle's other, other sister, Miss Noodle. That was one of the most incomprehensible things you've ever said. <laughs> I hate that this show just named them all Mr. Noodle or Mrs. Noodle. That's their name! They can have real names. It's their last name. Yeah, they don't all have to go by their family name. They're siblings. They have the same last name. I mean... But, like... Do you and do you and your sister both go by Miss Clark? No. See? <laughs> I mean, what shocked me about the noodles is like who plays some of them? Like the Most of them have Tony Awards. Yeah. No, yeah. Most of the noodles have Tony Awards. I mean, I know I in particular was like the the blonde pigtails Mrs. Noodle or Miss Noodle rather. Is Kristen Chenoweth? Yeah, it is. <laughs> like, 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 um, on the wiki to, like, denote them. Their, like, pages are all Mr. or Miss Noodle, parentheses, last name. So, like, I saw Miss Noodle, parentheses, Chenoweth, and I was like, that Chenoweth? <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's her. <laughs> I'm honestly astounded by the number of, like, name names that are noodles. <laughs> I kind of expected them all to be just, like, kind of mimey no names, if we're being honest. Um, so, like... One of, the, one of the writers described the noodle family as a dynasty of mimes. I wish I didn't know that bit of lore. <laughs> I mean, I guess it makes sense, but, like, now I'm just imagining, like, a signed mime at birth, you know? 
like like they can't even they can't even give this speech because their minds like i was like i imagine the dad being like my father was a mime and his father was a mime and his father's father was a mime and, and you can be a mime but like he can't say that because he's a mime and they don't talk yeah i know wait, wait hold on hold on wait I think I can do a really good impression of uh, Mr. Noodle's dad, Mr. Noodle, doing that speech. Okay, hold on a second. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> well, this may seem like a mean joke to you, the audience. It's a mean joke to me, too, because your camera's turned <laughs> off right now, so. <laughs> no one got anything out of this. I just want to make that clear. The only one who got anything out of this was Sarah. Um, so, like, why do the noodles just live outside of Elmo's world? Elmo doesn't even know. Yeah? Yeah, Elmo doesn't know why the Noodle family lives outside his window. I mean, they're mimes, so I guess they can't exactly tell him even if he asks, but like... Is no one else in Universe at all, like, concerned or wondering why... This family of mimes has just taken up residence outside this kid's window? <laughs> um... No. Like, Elmo has parents, like... <laughs> the noodles, are they confirmed to be real, or are they just, like... I think they have to be. Um, in addition, uh, so Mr. Noodle also has a nephew, Mr. Noodle. So at least one noodle has fucked. I was about to say, that means the noodles canonically fuck. At least one. At least one noodle has fucked. Which noodle? We don't know. Oh. It's implied that the original Mr. Noodle is Mr. Noodle's uncle. However, it is not specified which of Mr. Noodle's many siblings is this Noodle's parent. Oh my god. That's, that's a lot of noodles. I don't... <laughs> can't really keep track of this family. Maybe we'll post an infographic on Twitter or something so someone can <laughs> understand this conversation. Um, that's so weird. The noodles are weird. But I feel like this is about to be a trend with this episode of just things that are just there. And and we don't know why. They're just really weird things that everyone accepts are normal in universe, but like just aren't. Um, the Noodle family has three dogs. Are they called like Puppy Noodle or something like that? No, no, no. Their names are Schmoodle, Floodle, and Frank. Gee, gee, noodle dogs, why does your mom let you have individual identities? <laughs> like, of course, of course, their pet dogs get individual names. Although, actually, now that you mention it, I think I vaguely remember their pet dogs. Isn't one of them like a little, like, curly haired gold one, maybe? Um, no, they're like big, like, fluffy dogs. I'm just completely misremembering them. But I do I, I do remember them having dogs at one point. Oh, isn't it like that one like like the shaggy dog with what's his name? Isn't it that kind of dog? No, it's not. It's you just sent me a picture and no no it's not. 
No. It's, it's literally not. Um, also, I see that count figure you sent me a picture of. I think he had two ice cream cones, though. I couldn't find one with two ice cream cones, so I figured maybe you might have been misremembering. I mean, maybe I did. Because he's got, he's got an ice cream cone, and then his other hand is holding up two fingers. Okay. So he's, so... like, counting two ice cream cones, but he's only got one. Maybe... Maybe that is the figure. If I'd stolen it, we could have verified, but unfortunately I did not. I wish three-year-old you had been more of a criminal. Yeah. Three-year-old me really could have broken that rule and gotten away with it, and there would have been no consequences to 23-year-old me, but eh, three-year-old me was a coward. So. Um, do you have anything else interesting about the noodles? I didn't research them. I just think they're weird. Uh, no, that's that was my last thing about the noodles. So yeah, the noodles, they're very strange. They just kind of exist. Um, I don't even know where to go next. Um, because there's so much just strange random stuff strewn around and I have like vague categories. Like I want to talk about certain specials. I want to talk about um, various characters and things. Do you have these open in tabs? I do have these open in tabs. Go to the lefternmost tab. Just roll with it, baby. So. Alright, this isn't the lefternmost tab because the leftmost tab is Grouchland. And again, I want to save the specials for the end of the episode. Because okay. that's when things get really juicy. Because the specials okay. just go absolutely balls to the walls. <laughs> Whatever they want to happen, happens. Um, so you know how, um, kids series, like, I know The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody did this. You know how they do that plot line where, like, oh, there's the secret ancestral treasure hidden and you have to find it. The, the, the real treasure is the strange relationships you cause to happen along the way as you all compete for it. Uh-huh. Sesame Street did that? Y yeah. With a character named Yucky Mama. Yucky Mama. <laughs> Cooking Mama's distant <laughs> cousin, Yucky Mama. <laughs> um, she's Oscar the Grouch's great grouch mama. She appeared in episode 5029. Um, I sometimes forget how ridiculously long running this show is. But there's so many episodes. But, um, <laughs> like, I mean... Like, shout out to our friend in one of our servers, um, Colton. He watched all of Arthur, and then we started talking about Sesame Street, and he joked about watching all of Sesame Street before being like, it absolutely would be impossible. And at the time, I was like, I guess so, but that sounds like quitter speak. But like, now being reminded that there are over 5,000 episodes of this TV show... I mean, current season takes it to 5,035. Oh, so Yucky Mama is a recent character. Yucky Mama is although, one of the most recent episodes. Although, hold on. No, it's... Okay, no, it's that's not the episode, like, number. I was mistaken. There aren't, like, 5,035 episodes. What is there, then? 
Well, um, fifty thirty five is the most recent episodes or the the last episode of the current season's production code, because it's the thirty fifth episode of season fifty. Oh. So I don't know how many episodes there actually are. Well, what's thirty five ish times fifty? Um, 1,750. Okay. Not as daunting. That's more reasonable than I thought it was. But, huh. but I still, I, I get it, Colton. That, that is. No, that's, that's, that's way more than I would want to watch. Massive undertaking. I don't think I would do that. Because aren't they, are they half hour long or hour long? I think they're half hour, right? I don't remember. I remember them being hour long, but like little kid me has a strange perception of time. So like, I don't think she's really reliable. Um. <laughs> Um, but anyway, back to what we were talking about. Yucky yeah. Mama. Yucky Mama. Um, so yeah, Yucky Mama. She's said to have hidden a special treasure somewhere on Sesame Street long before the present day. Um, considering she's his great grouch mama. Um, oh, okay. Apparently this happened in 1969. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because um, one of the human characters finds... Yucky Mama's old books depicting a map of Sesame Street from 1969. Um, she was a witch of some kind because the map is a like magical item. Yeah. Um, yeah, because she can like sort of seance communicate with them through the map. <laughs> and um so she guides them on this treasure quest and then because she's a grouch um her hidden treasure is hidden in the wall of one two three sesame street which again that like i think that's part of the like the sort of trope or the cliche because i remember um sweet life ended with them like blowing a hole in the wall to the hotel's basement and like breaking into the bank vault by accident yeah <laughs> that was a good episode i kind of want to watch sweet life um sweet life episode when i, I don't know we'll see maybe eventually i'm sure there's some kind of fun lore there um and it is a trash can which is also a magical item that catapults huge amounts of trash all over the surrounding area <laughs> and that's that's the story of yucky mama's magical treasure hunt yucky mama's magical trash can yucky mama's magical trash can <laughs> i want to just wait i want to make a quick correction Oh, okay. So, obviously the seasons haven't been a consistent number. It hasn't been 35 episodes every season. Alright. But also, the episode numbering convention of the season and then the episode number in that season only started after the first 4,300 episodes. So, we're actually looking at 4,561 episodes, which is extremely undaunting. Okay, yeah, no, we're back up to Colton was indisputably right. You can't just binge <laughs> this entire show. Um, yeah, Colton, you're not a coward even a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. Nope. 
I mean, even binging Arthur was probably kind of daunting. Like, I know. We oh, were, I would not binge Arthur. <laughs> we were talking about Arthur for like, like days, weeks, yeah. maybe. I don't remember how long we were talking about Arthur for, but it was a while. Are that's we... quarantine, baby. Time just goes. That's what I was going to say. We were also talking about it like large amounts of the day, like. I would not have binged Arthur. Although, after that conversation, I do kind of want to go back and watch some episodes of Arthur. We can watch some Arthur. Not all of Arthur. Let's watch the good ones. The ones we remember okay. and liked. Okay. <laughs> this has nothing to do with Sesame Street, though. Let's <laughs> watch the gay rat wedding. Yeah, I've never seen the gay rat wedding. Gay rat <laughs> wedding. Gay rat wedding. I've No, yeah, I've never heard of it. Well, I've heard of it. I've never seen it, though. I heard about it secondhand. And I think I watched, like the scene where it's revealed he's gay but not like the full episode mm. um, gay rat wedding gay rat wedding gay rat wedding gay rat wedding. Gay, gay rat what is this just me can, can listeners can you guys say it like in a tongue gay rat wedding like, gay rat wedding why can't i do it gay rat gay rat wedding oh i'm like i'm making myself gag doing this you can't say gay rat wedding? Gay rat wedding. Gay rat wedding. Gay rat wedding. I have to try really hard for it. Oh. I, this wow. feels like feels like some kind of um uh my fair lady type thing. <laughs> <laughs> gay rat the rain in Spain falls on the plane. Gay rat wedding. <laughs> The rain in Spain falls mainly on the gay rat wedding. <laughs> That's homophobic, Spain's rain. Um, again, you guys came here for Sesame Street lore, and now you're getting um, annunciation, gay lessons. Rat wedding. <laughs> annunciation lessons with Nissa. Um, <laughs> so, this is, this is fun. Um, I'm going to find some actual lore now. So I stopped making an absolute fool of myself. Um, um, oh, here's you... something that I didn't realize. Um, there have been two separate multi-episode arcs where a hurricane hits Sesame Street. I mean, I think I've seen one of those. Yeah, one of them was in 2001. Is that... So that's like... I remember one where it was like Big Bird... Like, since he lives outside, he had to, like, go inside or something like that. And there was some uh, yeah. something with his nest. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's worried about his nest and cannot fall asleep. He walks into Gordon and Susan's bedroom and climbs into their bed. Yeah, I remember that. I, I distinctly remember that part. I've definitely seen those episodes. Yeah, his nest gets destroyed. Oh no! <laughs> Big Bird's nest. So does that mean his nest in like the current seasons is technically like Big Bird's nest, but like the second edition? Um, has his nest been destroyed any other times? I, I don't know. Um, How many? But no, times he, he rebuilt the nest, nest in this arc. Um, but that still makes it like the nest mark too. Yeah. Um, looks like twice. It's been destroyed two times. Um, so it was destroyed in that, um, hurricane in season 32, like we just talked about. And then it got 
some construction done in season 46. Huh. Well, I mean, construction isn't destruction, so I mean, I guess it would be the Big Bird's Nest Mark 2.1? I guess, yeah. Yeah, that, that fits, right? We all feel good that about tracks, that? That tracks, yeah. Yeah. All right, we all feel good about that. Big Bird's Nest has been canonically destroyed once and renovated another time. Yeah, we're on Big Bird's Nest V2.1.0. Awesome. So if you're out there, Sesame Street, I think it's time for Big Bird's Nest Three. You want Big Bird's house to be destroyed? Yeah, he built it again last time. <laughs> it'll, it'll build some Big Bird character. And I mean, that episode didn't scar me the same way that the like dancing statue scarred me. So like, you know, like. <laughs> Maybe kids can handle that. Just don't don't throw the dancing statues in there again. My my concern isn't about the kids. Like kids can handle a hurricane or a house being destroyed. That's something they might have to deal with at some point. I'm more concerned about the emotional toll on Big Bird. He'll walk it off. <laughs> also, this is just a fun Big Bird fact that isn't lore, but it's again just another dumb tangent I'm going on because that's what we're doing okay. this episode. Um. As a kid, I always thought Big Bird's legs, like, you know, the pink things on his yeah. legs. I always thought those looked like Fruit Loops. <laughs> so I had a strong desire to lick or bite Big Bird's legs. Please don't. Presuming that they would taste like the, like, like a Fruit Loop. Please don't bite or lick big bird's legs you don't know where they've been i'm an adult now i wouldn't do it i'm talking about when i was little and couldn't tell the difference between big bird's legs and fruit loops like you know those signs at the zoo that are like a picture of like a thing of fries with like five of them splayed like fingers and like a hand yeah and they're like animals can't tell the difference <laughs> little That's me true. was animals that couldn't <laughs> tell the difference <laughs> <laughs> you guys are learning a lot of, of deep details about what I was like as a toddler and small child. This is my backstory episode. That's that's what this episode's really about. It's breaking the lore in Mrs. Childhood. <laughs> um I wanna talk about um the um so there were two episodes of sesame street another uh -huh. one of these like arcs um that featured r2d2 and c3po yeah yeah from star wars the yeah from star wars yes <laughs> um so in in the first one a flying saucer lands um on sesame street and r2d2 and c3po get get out of it they stole hondo onaka's ship yeah. You can't do that. That's illegal. <laughs> and they were here to deliver us a, a message to someone on Sesame Street. Who? Um, it's for Oscar the Crouch. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a, a message. It's a hologram from Lothar the Grouch. <laughs> See this just confirms or, or adds more evidence to something that we're going to bring up a little later. 
I keep saying that, that, that like anything about grouches is a surprise tool to help us later. But <laughs> bear in mind this little hologram thing when we get there, because the wheels are turning in my head, that's for sure. Um, so then there's, um, so there was another episode featuring them, but uh -huh. before, before that episode aired, like a month before it, there was actually an episode of The Muppet Show that also featured them yeah, as seen, well as, yeah. I've seen that one. It has, it has yeah. Mark Hamill. No, it has, it has, it has Mark Hamill and his cousin, Luke Skywalker. Well, yes, it has, it has both of them as very separate people. <laughs> and Miss Piggy is hitting on, I think, Luke specifically. Yeah. And Chewbacca's there too. Oh, Chewbacca. And then, um, so like then a month later was the, when the second episode with C-3PO and R2-D2 of Sesame Street, um, and it, at the end of that episode, they leave. So it's like. They were all on Earth for a minute there, and they only appeared in Muppet Productions. <laughs> so for, for three months in 1980, <laughs> they were on Earth. Which, like, raises all sorts of questions. <laughs> <laughs> because, like, I mean, this means that, like, Sesame Street is canon to Star Wars, because, you know. But also, like, you know... We already kind of knew that Earth was canon to Star Wars because of E.T. So. <laughs> E.T. is canon to Sesame Street. Well, yes. E.T. does have to be canon to Sesame Street because C-3PO and R2 are canon to Star Wars. They yeah. have been on Sesame Street. E.T., who has also been on Earth, has been to... Um, the republic senate he has yes his species but... holds senate seats so that raises the question just how far far away is this galaxy it's the next one over i was gonna say is it that <laughs> far because like i know that hyperspace moves at like the speed of whatever the plot needs it to but like <laughs> there are some star wars books notably the first thrawn novel in canon um which is called just Thrawn, um, where it describes his like star destroyer traveling like across the galaxy, just the Star Wars galaxy, and it takes several hours, going at like hyperspace speeds, <laughs> which means that like the galaxy far far away can't be that far far away if like <laughs> ETs and C three PO and R two are just jetting around at the speed of sound coming over to Earth. Like, um, there's also uh, just a just a funny bit um, where R two D two falls in love with a fire hydrant. Oh, R two E. Um, but what I want to ask you, uh -huh. okay, is this canon to Star Wars? Is what Sesame Street and the Muppet Show? I thought that's what we just said. No, no, no. We know, no, we know that it's canon to Sesame Street. Is it canon to Star Wars? Because I know Star Wars canon is really messy. And I know what you're going to say, and I have an argument. What do you think you're going to say? You're going to say it's not. Because of the whole Legends thing. It's true. 
thus would have occurred in the Legends era. I won't deny that. What outfit was Luke wearing during all of this? He's wearing this khaki number. Th- this khaki number. Oh, you're sending this it to This khaki me. number, yeah. Um, Let's look at this khaki number. Okay, so it's his Empire Strikes Back outfit, but like khaki instead of gray for whatever reason. Yeah. So that admittedly throws a couple wrenches into this situation. How so? Um, well, unfortunately, that time period is mapped out pretty clearly in canon of like when this would, because that boxes it into a very specific period of time when this appearance could have taken place um which truthfully it boxes it into it takes place during empire strikes back (laughs) which doesn't make sense because luke and r2 and c3po c3po is not with luke and r2 for the entirety of empire strikes back and neither is chewbacca um Because he refers to Darth Vader, right? And, like, doesn't, like, seem to have any real conflict about that. He's just like, oh, Darth Vader, that villain. I think so. And, I mean, like, this episode came out before Empire Strikes Back. Which means he wouldn't have, like, known about his dad. Yeah. Which means that it can't be he's still wearing the outfit post-hand cut off. But even then it wouldn't make sense because you said Chewbacca's there. And Chewbacca and Lando immediately go off on an adventure to figure out what's going on with Han. Are we sure this can't be like immediately before Empire Strikes Back? Um I'm thinking about it. I suppose I suppose they could have temporarily left Echo Base to pursue this. Um give me a They had to give Oscar Grouch that message. Well, like, give me a sec, because I'm trying to figure out what the, like, because there was, like, a big comics arc that led directly into Empire Strikes Back, and I don't remember what Luke and Co. Oh, right, they were all on separate missions, and Luke was aiding supply runs on, like, a desert planet of some kind, Um, because he met that thief who was Force-sensitive, and they had, like, a whole, like, thing going on. Um... I'm going to say there's, I want it to be canon. I'm like trying to figure out a way to fit it in. But I think that they've just done too much in the time period where it would have had to have been for me to figure out where it should go. Okay. I'm sorry, darling. You can give your case if you want to. (laughs) I was just going to say that canon consists of the movies the clone wars and everything made by disney and disney owns the muppets so oh sweetie (laughs) i'm sorry that you were gonna do such a nice little i was gonna wrap it up in a neat little bow for you and you were like let's think about think about what happens in the comics okay let's let's really parse apart the timeline of canon (laughs) i mean to be fair you knew better than to like challenge me to a situation like this i did i did because you know full well that i 
will just like dive in really deep and like go for it. <laughs> I'm still sorry though. I do apologize. That's okay. <laughs> I wish it was canon. We can make a canon to Legends though. Why not? Why not? Um. Anyway, yes, there are two known alien grouches. Yeah? So, Lothar, uh -huh. like we mentioned earlier, he comes from the seventh moon of planet Zircon. Interesting. And, and then there's also Othmar the Grouch, who also hails from the seventh moon of the planet Zircon. I'm sensing a theme here. Yeah. Which is that Zircon is like... Uh, okay. Okay. Um. Oh no! The sources! Oh, that's so cute! What? Um, I found a page for Zircon on Wikipedia. Yeah? In the legend section, and I was like, oh, is there like an actual planet? The, the only source is, um, Lothar the Grouch. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Lothar the Grouch lived on the seventh moon of Zircon. <laughs> That's so cute. I mean, Zircon sounds like it would be a Star Wars planet. Why not? Yeah. Well, okay. It sounds like it would be a Legends planet. I feel like they're taking themselves too seriously now to just like throw out a name that's so obviously like just stealing an Earth word that sounds kind of alien y. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I think in like early legend like like pre-Thrawn trilogy legends I mean yeah the, these came out in the 80s so okay well just, like, just, I'm, I'm, just, it is, it is pre-Thrawn legends okay like, just hit me with the it actually is pre-Thrawn legends okay I'm just agreeing with you I'm telling you that you're right I'm trying to make a smart assessment here I'm telling you you're right <laughs> It must be hard being me and having to argue everything, even being right. <laughs> um, so speaking of grouch subspecies. Yeah. Um, Benny the rabbit. Um, I don't uh -huh. know how many of our viewers remember him. I only really remember him because he was also part of that Sesame Street beanbag plushie set. And now for another, like, kind of gross baby Nessa story. Um, oh, boy. So, I don't know. Did your parents, like, incentivize you with little gifts when you were potty training? I don't remember potty training. Okay, I do. But I guess some of us just don't remember our super, super young childhood memories. Well, my parents incentivized me with gifts, which may have resulted in me being the spoiled brat that I am now. But, um... <laughs> One of them was the Benny plushie. So I like kind of have like a stronger memory of him even because because he was like a like little potty training gift. Actually, now that I think about it, my parents incentivized me for a lot of things. Like I got like a clone figure during like the Revenge of the Sith era. 
because I had a like serious diet problem and I refused to drink Pediasure because I thought it tasted gross, but my doctor was like, she needs to drink Pediasure or she's going to have serious health issues. So my parents oh. were like, if you drink Pediasure, we'll give you this action figure. And I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Again, I think this has resulted in me becoming the spoiled brat that I am, but my parents incentivized me for a lot of things. <laughs> but yet another baby Nissa tangent aside, um, Benny Rabbit. So I only remembered him as the bellhop, but like he admittedly looks like kind of weird for a rabbit. Like he's like kind of kind of gross looking. Yeah, he is. Do you know why? Why? He's a grouch rabbit. A, a, a grabbit? Yes, he's a grouch subspecies of rabbit. That's why he has the unibrow that's like really like fluffy like grouches. And he has the like kind of nasty look and like rude demeanor. <laughs> He's a grouch. <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> I think we can like dip our toes into Elmo and Grouchland finally. Oh, hell yeah. Because I'm because. I mean, we're probably at about the halfway point in this episode at this point. And um, yeah, absolutely. I am tired of saying that Elmo and Grouchland is a surprise tool to help you later because I have another special to be a surprise tool to help you later. So Elmo and Grouchland, there's a lot going on. And I think that now that we've mentioned Grouch Rabbits and Grouches from Space... It's time to discuss Elmo and Grouchland. Please discuss Elmo and Grouchland. So, for those of you who are unaware of Elmo and Grouchland, it is a Sesame Street movie. It is the second Sesame Street movie after Follow That Bird, um, which we'll also discuss at some point in this episode. Um... I think it's actually the most recent Sesame Street movie. Um, yeah, it is, I think. Yeah, because they canceled that other one. And the next one hasn't come out yet. Yeah. Um, because of development hell. It's apparently, it was supposed to come out at any, pick a year in the 2010s. It was supposed to come out that year. Um, but it's been in development hell. It's allegedly... It was allegedly about to go right into production, but then COVID-19 hit and just, like, really screwed it up one last time. So, yeah. theoretically, it'll start production when things get more normal. But, anyway, Elmo and Grouchland, the current, um, most recent Sesame Street movie released in 1999. Um, I think I actually had some when like i said i had the talking bug plush i also had some wendy's toys i think they were like these little like plastic trash cans there was like a red one with grizzy on it and like a green one with oscar i think maybe i don't remember what was in them because i feel like something was in them but i remember the trash cans little me also had a weird obsession with trash cans by the way yeah 
yes i made my parents buy me like a little kid trash can like a little like like a silver trash can with a lid that was like my size and i would sit in it and then when i got a little too big to sit in it i like put a rock collection in it <laughs> i don't know if it's still in my parents backyard i want to say it could be I don't remember, I don't have a specific memory of getting rid of it, but they could have gotten rid of it at any point since I've moved out, um, or when I was in college. But yeah, little me, obsessed with trash cans as well. I think we should make a drinking game for this episode, yeah. like take a shot every time you learn a weird fact <laughs> about toddler and baby Nissa. Um, that's, like I said, that's the real lore we're breaking here. That's the value of this yeah, episode. No, this is the Nissa lore episode. The Nissa backstory episode masquerading as the Sesame Street episode. Um, but yeah, Elmo and Grouchland. Let's really dig into this. So the plot of this is basically Elmo has his beloved blanket and it falls during some madcap accident. It falls into Oscar's trash can. And then Elmo goes into Oscar's trash can, which we already basically knew before this from the show that those trash cans are larger on the inside because mm -hmm. he has like an elephant in there. He Heard has a of elephants. That's true. He does. And then Elmo does something interesting. Yeah. In a very Alice in Wonderland esque adventure. So he enters this rainbow portal and ends up in Grouchland, which is called Grouchland USA. So, theoretically, it's established to be in our America. Well, okay. Um, but, like, is it? In, uh, so there's a grouchy town uh, in episode 2538 and uh -huh. also in episode 2648 where uh, Bob visited grouchy town, which was revealed to be a neighborhood that exists as the opposite of Sesame Street. And each trip to and from Grouchy Town is achieved via conventional means. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. But could... So consider... Consider my theory based on the fact that he goes through a Wonderland portal. Consider also that, for the sake of this argument, a version of the United States of America could exist in the Grouch dimension or on the Grouch planet or wherever this transport goes. Because honestly, now that I think about it, I'm almost considering, I, I was going to make a joke about Grouch's being interdimensional beings, but I'm almost considering that they're aliens because of this whole planet Zircon thing. And like, you know what? This portal takes you to their planet. Okay, so Grouchland might be on another planet, but it also might be in an alternate reality. And either way, I think Grouches are just like a colonizing species. Well, that's what I was about to say. Consider that Grouchy Town could just be a colony of grouches. Like... Yeah. And so could the planet Zircon. That's true. If we don't think that Grouchy... Grouchland, sorry. Grouchland USA is on Zircon, they could have imperialized Zircon. Or colonized it or whatever. I mean, I don't think the message would be, like, stated as being from the planet Zircon instead of from Grouchland. You know, that's that pretty case. fair, actually. I like that theory. So, so, Grouches are interdimensional colonialists? Yeah. 
because like like there are a lot of grouches in the real world like we see a decent number of grouches show up in the show but yeah. grouchland but? just doesn't feel like it exists like like why is it like either either grouches have developed technology far beyond what we have despite ostensibly being part of our world like they have weird teleportation technology that no one else knows or understands or they're or... from another dimension <laughs> that yeah i guess yeah that's that's right yeah so there is a human Grouch is in just... Grouchland. There's a His human. His name's Huxley. Huxley. His real like all he really does is he steals garbage. Like he finds uh... the most beloved garbage of a grouch and he steals it. That's mean. It is mean. It's it's really awful. He has aviator goggles I and hate things. Huxley. So but like Grouchland, so even if it does exist in the U.S., like in our U.S., okay. it raises a number of questions. Because Grouchland has its own, um, its own political system and its own economic system. I mean, yeah, because Grouchland is run by the Grouch Mayor. Who's modeled after Groucho yeah. Marx? And the entire economy <laughs> depends on trash. Like, okay, I have a question. Sure. If everything is trash, where does the trash come from? Okay, so I'm I'm branching this theory. First of all, uh -huh. for further evidence of this being a parallel dimension instead of actually real life America um, even though it is quite representative of America in my opinion um, <laughs> sorry that was a terribly cheap joke but funny nonetheless um, so again the only known way to get there like the wiki flat out says despite Grouchland apparently being in America the only known way to get there is a swirling door portal. <laughs> and then you come out a pipe into a pile of trash. And so what you're saying is all of the stuff in Grouchland is just human that's trash. That's what I was going to say. You know that planet in Thor, right? That's just like a galactic. That's what I think Grouchland. So is there just a portal to Grouchland? On the inside of every trash can? I was going to say, I think there's a portal to Grouchland. Either, I think in every trash can sounds a little, um, what's the word? Uh, ambitious? Um. Yeah, like I have a trash can right here and I've, I've never seen a portal to Grouchland. Well, yes, I wouldn't say that little small plastic trash cans. I think if a grouch has colonized a trash can, it has a portal. Okay. I think they put one in when they colonize it. Mm -hmm. But I think every, like, landfill has portals to Grouchland. That sounds right. Because, like, garbage trucks take things. 
So like every trash can can't just have like a portal in it. Or yeah. garbage trucks wouldn't exist. Um yeah. I'm assuming garbage trucks exist in Sesame Street. I haven't backed that up, but I'm just I am I'm ninety nine percent sure they do. Willing to believe they have appeared in some book or something. Um so I honestly think that just enhances my theory. Like because I think it's kind of weird to believe that first of all, in a world with a ton of established like magic, sci-fi, other planets, aliens, all kinds of random bullshit, there wouldn't be another dimension with yeah, other dimensional right. portals. I almost think it's weirder to think that there's no magical explanation for Grouchland and that it just is a city in the US. That almost <laughs> feels like it doesn't feel organic to me. Yeah. And I also don't believe that, like, the Sesame Street world has, like, a setup system where all trash is routed, or a large amount of trash is routed to a random city. Plus, like, in addition to grouches, like, like we mentioned, Benny is a grouch bunny. A grabbit, yeah. There are grouch dogs. There are grouch parrots. Mm -hmm. So, like, if we assume that, like, grouches are this dimension's equivalent of humans, these animals would obviously be this dimension's equivalent of those animals. So, like... I just think the evidence of Grouchland being another dimension is adding up. Yeah, I can't deny this. <laughs> like, it has its own economy. It has its own animals that are facsimiles of real-world animals. It has its own political system. Um, and it also just has tons of and you get to it through weird portals that deposit trash like it just you know yeah trash portals exactly like but but I will say and then oh and then furthermore here we go now we're getting into it so Grouchland USA air quotes around USA is a big urban city there's also a kingdom of garbage outside of the city a, a kingdom of garbage yes it's called Da Dump Da Dump <laughs> it's ruled over by the queen of trash who is a human but yeah um A human who's, like, untrusting of strangers, which is very strange, because, like, if she's a human, she theoretically is a stranger as well. And also, she has animated garbage servants. Yeah, yeah? Yes, her, sir, her like, two retainers are Colander Stenchman and Football Stenchman. One oh, I love them. One of which is, yeah, one of which is a reanimated colander and the other is a reanimated football. Oh, I love them. Well, reanimated is the wrong word because they were never animated. And animated, animated. I suppose. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like, 
I mean, again, at this point, it doesn't seem very strange for her to be a witch that can animate garbage. But, like, yeah. I, I don't know. There's just something otherworldly about Grouchland. I mean, it's literally another world, so. I think... I think Grouchland, even though it's not technically canon, and this is breaking the lore, we theorize here. Um, I think Grouchland is another dimension. That's that's my theory. That's what I'm sticking to. I think Grouches, like you said, are a colonizing species. I think Grouchy Town. I think their homeworld is Grouchland. I think Grouchy Town is a major colony for them. And... I think they have set up a complex system of yeah, portals to Grouchland to get them garbage. Yeah. I think the queen of garbage is a human who ended up in Grouchland who somehow became, like, she somehow rose to prominence. Mm -hmm. Although it is interesting that she's not guarded by Grouches. No, she's guarded by those colored football stenchmen. And she lives outside the main city. Into dump. So you could almost say that she's like their sort of like weird urban legend witch. I mean, I haven't watched it recently enough to know for a fact that um she isn't like chilling with the grouches. But her role in the story is to be a dangerous domain that he has to go through on the way to the villain's castle. Hmm. Which I think just emphasizes that she's also an outsider. Mm -hmm. Like, Definitely. it seems like she's their weird, strange forest witch or whatever, but her forest is a giant pile of trash. And um, that's why she has to rely on animated garbage guards instead of grouches. I also want to talk about um, how it's illegal to ask a police officer for help in Grouchland. You know, that's the most compelling evidence that that it's in America. That it is in actual America. <laughs> like, that could throw my entire other dimension theory <laughs> out of the water. Um, <laughs> that's, that's the only compelling evidence I've seen besides the USA being tacked on at the end that this isn't an alternate dimension. <laughs> so... But yeah, I... I Jokes aside, I do still think it's an alternate dimension. <laughs> an alternate dimension that just so happens to mimic real America with police. Um, one thing I do want to talk about is um, Oscar's pet worm, Slimy. Slimy, the baby. Um, Slimy's really interesting to me. Because he's, he's just a funny little worm. <laughs> he's really cute. Um, I like Slimy. Yeah, he's really cute. And um, he he also plays tuba and clarinet. And he has the distinction of being the first worm on the moon. Good for him. <laughs> there was a 12-episode arc called Slimy to the Moon. Aww. Where Slimy becomes an astronaut i support him me too i really support him and his career aspirations 
<laughs> That's good. Good for Slimy. And, like, if anything, like, that really does kind of add to the whole, like, grouches are way more technologically advanced than we are. Because even their worms have space travel. You know, that's actually a good point. I was going to say, that means that Slimy had, a, like, a small personal spacecraft that could get him to the moon and back in a reasonable amount of time with no difficulties. Yeah. That could be operated by a worm. Uh -oh. There's a worm-sized rocket. Listen, grouches are a technologically advanced. This is my conspiracy theory blog now. <laughs> grouches are a technologically advanced colonialist species from another dimension that is stealing garbage. That is what they want. I do not know why. They just like it. <laughs> um, the worm ship Wiggle Prize is a vessel designed by Wassa to take five worms and one chicken into space. <laughs> Her crew consists of Slimy from the United States, Spaghettini from Italy, Squishta from Romania, Legusano from Colombia, and Squashimi from Japan. I think I vaguely remember this because I remember Slimy's like worm gang. <laughs> worm gang but again that just you're right like that just confirms like if like worms can have their own NASA organization <laughs> the technological advancement is just they're on a yeah the worm air and space agency the worm equivalent of NASA yeah like I don't, I don't even know what else to say. Like, if you don't think that grouches are some kind of weird, technologically advanced, other dimensional species at this point, are you even listening to our conversation? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. There's also a Professor Albert Einstein. Oh, oh I remember and him. He's got like the fuzzy you. hair. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've seen him. I, I've seen episodes with him in it. <laughs> I'm also on the page for grouches in general. I forgot that Oscar has a girlfriend. Yeah, he does. Grungetta. Worm technology couldn't sufficiently launch the rocket without some help from a Muppet. Who was the Muppet? In this, the number zero, who saved the day by standing in for the final number of the countdown. <laughs> um, there was also a 2005 episode where Cookie Monster becomes fixated on the moon because he thinks it's a cookie. And um, uh, Gordon tells him that it's not a cookie and Cookie Monster calls Slimy because he's been, actually been there and he's like, is it actually a cookie? Does that mean that Slimy and Cookie Monster can talk to each other? Yeah. Um, cookie Monster wants to go to the moon, but he can't fit inside the worm-sized rocket. <laughs> and Slimy regrets not tasting the moon when he had the chance. Oh, Slimy! <laughs> oh, that's so cute. More evidence that Grouchland USA is another dimension. Uh -huh. A superstar there is Sharon Grown, 
yeah. who was in the movie Basically It Stinks. Yeah. Which is the Grouch equivalent of Sharon Stone's Basic Instinct. So they have Grouch versions of real life celebrities and Grouch versions <laughs> of movies. Also, Basic Instinct is a weird movie for Sesame Street to choose as their like um parody movie. <laughs> like it's described on the Muppet Wiki as a 1992 American erotic neo-noir movie. <laughs> The film was extremely controversial due to its overt sexuality, graphic violence, and depiction of homosexual relationships. So, like, not so much the last one, obviously, but, like, very overtly sexual and violent movie. And Sesame Street was like, that's the one. That's the parody to put in our Grouchland movie. <laughs> Sharon Stone, she's big with the kids. Um... In, in the early years of Sesame Street, uh, enthusiastic young viewers frequently mailed gifts of trash to Oscar. Aww. Elect eliciting dismay from the mailroom staff. Aww. That's so cute, though. Aside from an unopened can of sardines, which are probably perfectly good, Oscar has been gifted with a box of old sneakers, a ratty old bathing cap, some stale poppy seeds, and some used Kleenexes. Yeah, that's disgusting. <laughs> also, um, one time Oscar told Bob Saget that he was 43 years old and has always been 43. <laughs> but also, the seventh episode of Sesame Street was Oscar the Grouch's fifth birthday. So what is the truth, Oscar? I can't do math well enough to tell you the truth. <laughs> well, like, if you do, if you math it out, he would have been 43 if he was five. Like, when he, when he said that he was 43, that he would have, that was 38 years after he said he was, after he was five in the show. Hmm. So in real time, that would have been accurate. But if he's always been 43, then... What's the truth? I mean, I don't think he's ever been five in the show, unless he was characterized very differently when he was <laughs> in the early seasons. He's always struck me as like a crotchety middle-aged man. <laughs> me too. Grouches have teeth, but you can't see them. That's horrifying. That's from the Grouch trivia page, just so you know. <laughs> Grouches have teeth, but you can't see them. Also, Oscar. I have some distressing news for you. Uh-huh. There are human grouches? No, there aren't. Uh, yeah, there are. You're lying to me. Though grouches are you. usually presented as a unique species, like monsters or honkers, occasionally humans have shown up as grouches, likely designated as such because of a similarity in sympathy and temperament and personality. So, like, while some of these people do look like they're trying to appear grouch-like, like one of these people has painted his face green and, like, put on, like, a fake unibrow, it seems that it could be, like, Mandalorians where grouches will, like, 
ad adopt you into the species if you're like fitting grouch the grouch. culture the grouch isn't a race it's a creed <laughs> I'm a I'm a grouch. Garbage is part of my religion. You know that honestly almost fits their like colonializing ways. They want to like spread their <laughs> grouch influence, and that includes converting people to grouchism. <laughs> I I believe it. Also, it doesn't mention Huxley as a grouch, but it does mention the Queen of Trash as a grouch. Although I still personally think, based on her role in the story, she's more of a, like, outlier strange forest witch. Yeah. But, like, a perfect example is, um, there's this restaurant in Follow That Bird that's supposed to be, like, the, um, restaurant that Oscar wants to go to because Maria made him eat at Friendly's and he's angry about it. <laughs> so they go, it's called Don't Drop In. It's a grouch run restaurant with a human waitress and a human chef, but they are referred to as a grouch waitress and grouch chef. <laughs> so yeah, it's just, it's a creed. <laughs> like it's, it's clearly a species as well. It's like, yeah. I think it's like a species that converts people to its species. <laughs> Grouch lore is really weird. Grouch lore is deep. Grouch is, Grouch is maybe the deepest lore in this entire series. Okay, so I think we've unpacked all that there is to unpack about Grouches. And left the listeners with a lot to think about with regards to Grouches. <laughs> So really just marinate on that, guys. Tell us what you just, think about it. Think about grouches. Like, don't stop thinking about grouches. <laughs> but, um, so this started with Benny. And I want to segue back to him. Because he works at the Furry Arms Hotel. And the Furry Arms Hotel is a very peculiar place. Um, uh, why? Why? Because if you ring the bell, Benny is trained to do certain things for a certain number of bell rings. And we know what all of those are. They start, oh boy. They start very, very mundane, but if you ring the clerk's desk bell one time, Benny will bring you a bucket of ice. If you do it okay. twice, he brings you two towels. If you do it thrice, he brings in three pillows five times gives you five bars of exclusive furry arms brand soap uh. jumping ahead because we only know jumping ahead sorry guys there's no information for any middle of numbers um if you ding 10 times he brings you 10 glasses of milk that's a lot. yeah i was gonna say i think you only should do that if you're a party of 10 um or like five because I, I think everyone can drink maybe two glasses of milk at most. Um, or maybe if you're baking. 14 rings will bring you 14 suitcases. Is anything in these suitcases? Are they your suitcases? Does the furry arms just have a closet full of empty suitcases? Do they steal them from other guests? We just don't know. <laughs> furry arms is just like that. You want to stay there, you got to deal with it. But... Uh -huh. If you ding 15 times, 
Benny will give Mr. Mosby a heart attack by bringing 15 <laughs> stampeding elephants into the lobby. <gasps> and they will tear the place up. <laughs> really makes those those rampaging twins look kind of kind of low scale on the list of rampaging things you can have in your hotel lobby. We've talked about the sweet life of Zach and Cody a little more than I expected to. We're talking about the hotel. But, but yeah, so this also raises a question to me. How do you get things that are like, like what if you want one glass of milk? Or what if you just want to get the clerk's attention, but you don't want a bucket of ice? Yale, hey, clerk. But, like, that's what the bell's for. Like, what if he's not... No, it's not. The bell's for getting ice. (laughs) Listen, I just just think whoever decided this system was not really thinking about customer service. (laughs) I think they were just thinking about how to torture Benny the Bellhop. Okay, so, so you get the ten glasses of milk... And you get the one bucket of ice, and you pour the milk into the ice, right? Uh Uh-huh. And then you just chug it. I don't like that. You don't want a bucket of icy milk? (laughs) No one drinks icy milk. Do you drink icy milk, sweetheart? No. That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear it. So... Another thing about the furry arms, it doesn't allow pets. No. Which is, it's not that strange for a hotel. Um, but the reason we know this is very interesting. Yeah. So is everyone aware of Frazzle? Um, I'm aware of him because he was another monster who featured in Elmo Says Boo, which, again, I watched the fuck out of when I was a kid. Um, he's got <laughs> that song about, like, Frazzle showing emotions. It's like, he goes, that's how you know he's sad or something like that. And he just, like, does the same, like, angry, like, growling. And they're like, that's how you know he's angry. That's how you know he's sad. And it's just like a dumb little song. So Frazzle, he's this big orange guy. He's got sharp teeth. He's got horns. Like I said, I'll post his song on the Twitter if I remember. Um, he goes to the Furry Arms Hotel and he brings his pet and is told to leave because he cannot have pets. Mm-hmm. Darling, what do you think Frazzle's pet that he brings to the hotel is? Mm, I bet it's a guinea pig. Its name is Pickles. Does that help? Does that impact um, your guess at all? I'm, I'm gonna guess an iguana. Pickles. Pickles? Is. Is. A human. Good. Pickles is a human man that Frazzle <laughs> keeps on a leash. Pickles is Frazzle's pet human. And and Frazzle, who notably does not speak coherently, um, he only makes those growling noises. And apparently, he can speak to Natasha, and she can speak back to him, like one of those Arthur, like babies can speak to weird animals type thing. <laughs> um, he's 
he describes when he's told he can't leave the hotel. Well, it's just not fair. What am I supposed to do? Leave little Pickles at home when I'm traveling on business? Come on, Pickles, we'll go to another hotel. So, like, Francis just, like, keeps a human on a leash that's dependent on him and is his pet. <sighs> Bet you guys weren't expecting Sesame Street pet play in this video. I don't, I don't like that. Yeah, like, it's, like, season 25, too. Like, what year was that? 1993? Yeah. Like, people knew stuff about stuff then. <laughs> like... I don't know. Did no one stop to say, huh, this is a little weird as a concept. <laughs> it's really, um, yeah. But yeah, so monsters owning human pets exists in the universe. At least once. We don't have proof of it existing beyond Frazzle and Pickles, but... Yeah. Once is enough, if you ask me. Oh, me too. Because you know no what? one... Yeah. No one acts like it's weird. No, no, Everyone no recognizes it. the human as his pet. To the point that he is kicked out because the human is his pet. So not even doesn't even question, just like that's a pet. I know, yeah. I recognize it on one glance. He's like, pets aren't allowed. So yeah, that's it's got some, I don't know what else to say about that, but human pets in Sesame Street. You heard it here. Um and then so like we're drawing towards this episode getting kind of long, so this episode's probably going to end up being kind of long because of all my dumb tangents, but I just wanted to do a couple little things about the Count just because I like him so much before we get into the last sort of big stuff. Um, so despite Sesame Street taking place in like sort of a fictional part of New York City to the point that I think isn't the new movie about like Sesame Street being like a secret hidden magical community or something like that yeah that's the plot of the upcoming film yes yeah Count apparently just like lives in Central Park <laughs> his castle I think is just supposed to just be in Central Park good <laughs> Because it's based on um, Belvedere Castle, which is, as I'm sure you can guess based on this conversation, a castle in um, Central Park. Also, apparently, um, the amazing Mumford has a castle that's next door to his. Their neighbors. Just next door. <laughs> also, Count's castle has 41 rooms, 27 chandeliers, 91 doors. 31 closets, 126 windows, 14 stairways for a total of 301 stairs, 32 sofas, 27 easy chairs, 72,000 bathroom tiles, 22 soap <laughs> dishes, 7 hairbrushes. I don't know why this man needs so many hairbrushes. His hair's not even that long. And one fang brush. Also... How many bathrooms were there? I didn't say. Because I was going to say, do you really need 22 soap dishes? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, so there's just your little rundown of the Count's Castle. I also want to talk about how, like, 
counts or whatever we want to call them are a species like counts like i like i don't know what to call them um because like they don't have an official species they're just called vampire like or humans but like there's a whole series of characters um that like looks like that like they have the same pointed nose they have the same purple skin the same pointy ears the same fangs the same penchant for monocles because there's count von count there's the countess there's countess von backwards um sorry countess natasha was the countess countess von backwards there's countess darling von darling um and unless there's like some sort of incest plot going on, Countess Darling von Darling is the only one who's related to Count because he's her fifth cousin. Um, but Countess Natasha and Countess Backwards are his two girlfriends. I think he's actually married to Countess Natasha at this point. So like... I don't really have much else to say about this. There's just this weird, like, unnamed species of, I guess, vampires? But, like, counting addicted purple vampires? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what to say about that. Um, although it actually does draw back to vampire myth. Um, originally, in old vampire folklore, if you were being attacked by a vampire, you could throw a bunch of, like, sesame seeds at the floor because the vampire would be compelled to count them. <laughs> so then that's, that's where it came from, I guess. There's your obscure folklore vampire protection for today. <laughs> but as I said, this episode's getting a little long, so that was my little like bit on the count because I like him. Um, so we're going to talk about movies and specials. And, and babe, I've been dominating the conversation for a little bit, so if you want to share yours before i do mine okay so um the very first like feature film for sesame street um it didn't get made but the idea they had was big bird is elected president of the united states yeah <laughs> and we have like a pretty detailed summary of like two different versions of this movie and they're really something i mean you know i'm gonna be honest big bird is a what six-year-old yeah and I, I think he's a better candidate for president than either of the ones running in 2020 so you know he is yeah. whatever works but but let's let's hear about these summaries of this unmade sesame street movie <laughs> So, the story is often disrupted from news reports and political cartoons delivering exposition on Big Bird's administration. Um, so, th there's the inaugural ball being held at the White House, where Walter Cronkite interviews Harry Reasoner about how Big Bird made it to office. <laughs> and um, Big Bird somehow emerged as the prime candidate, and his Niceness Counts campaign sealed him as the population's favorite. You know... Again, better better candidate than any of the ones running. 
Um, the Sesame Street gang rubs elbows with established political leaders and entertainment celebrities. Good for them. They're deserving. Including an evil lobbyist and war profiteer. Like most lobbyists. Yeah. <laughs> he wishes to push the world into the biggest arms race in history, and he sees President Bird as a roadblock. <laughs> You know, this almost sounds more like a Muppet movie than a Sesame Street movie. Like, yeah. like this feels, like this feels kind of in the vein of like the Great Muppet Caper, Muppets Take yeah. Manhattan. You know, like that type of Muppet movie. Mm-hmm. Um. Also, all the Sesame Street characters like get high-ranking um, government jobs. Some real, some real nepotism being displayed here, but. Uh, <laughs> Bert is Secretary of State, Ernie is Secretary of Defense, Louise is Secretary of Treasury, Olivia Secretary of Interior, Mr. Hooper as Secretary of Commerce, Susan as Secretary of Education, Oscar the Grouch as Secretary of HUD, Cookie Monster as Secretary of Cookie, Maria as Secretary of Human Services, David as Attorney General, Gordon as Chief of Staff, Snuffleupagus as Head of the CIA. Okay. Harry Monster as Chief of Protocol, and Count Von Count as Head of OMB. <laughs> Big Bird deals with uh, typical challenges every president faces, but he tries to deal with each one with a simple solution. Perhaps too simple. Press Secretary Grover tries to quell any uncertainty from the public. I'm sure that goes well. There's a montage of Big Bird's activities in his first hundred days of office, including launching a ship, welcoming the Boy Scouts to the Rose Garden, speaking to the AFL convention, and throwing out the first pitch at a baseball game, accidentally beaning Gerald Ford in the head. Like, Gerald Ford? When was he president? Uh, Gerald Ford was president, um, he was the 38th president. I don't remember what years those were. So he would have been, like, relatively recent around this time? I think so. I have no real concept of when, like, the middle presidents. Wait, here we go. Uh, 1974 to 1977. Gotcha. So yeah, he would have been relatively recent. Yeah. Um, Wait, yeah, this is tangential. Let's... <laughs> this episode's getting long. Big Bird is trying to attempt some sort of world peace plan with fellow world leaders. <laughs> so you, you know how, like, being the president is like a really stressful job and it like ages you really yeah. bad big bird starts molting oh no <laughs> <laughs> um okay so there's like a uh the bad guy the the lobbyist there's a dramatic star wars style dogfight in which she unleashes every weapon known to man on air force one until it's forced to the ground like like a nuke every weapon known to man so it's so nukes yeah he just he nukes big bird <laughs> during this movie <laughs> and throws a sword at the, a plane well that too like <laughs> like yeah we got small potatoes stuff like the indiana jones-esque shooting a plane with a revolver and like throwing a sword throwing a throwing a like little knife um but then we also have nuking it <laughs> um and then President Big Bird is held hostage. Oof. Rough times. Um, but, uh, of course, Super Grover frees Big Bird and his friends. After defeating the military-industrial complex single-handedly. 
Good job. <laughs> you heard it here. Gro Super Grover destroyed the military industrial complex. He would have if this movie got made. Yeah, we wouldn't be in this situation now if this movie had gotten made. And then um, Big Bird resigns. Understandable. As president. Yeah. He's just like, I'm done with this. <laughs> That's... I kind of wish that was made. I kind of would have liked Me to too. have watched that. Um... So you said there was two versions. Is the other version like super different or um it's pretty similar except um the bad guys are actually um an organization called Naughty which stands for National Association of Underworld Gangsters, Hoods, Terrorists and Yahoos. <laughs> I think I like the military industrial complex antagonist better. Honestly, me too. I think that's more fun. I think, well, not. I don't know if it's more fun. I think it's more like, I like it message-wise better. Also, um, in this version, uh, there's a scandal where uh, it's been reported that President Bird has been having conversations with Snuffleupagus, whom no one believes is real. And this is dubbed Snuffygate. I mean, I always forget that Snuffleupagus is, like, an imaginary friend, but, like, not an imaginary friend. It's just, like, one of those weird, like, they always get away before anyone meets them type deals. Yeah, no, that, that movie would have been fun. I kind of wish it was made. I really would have liked to have seen it. Also, um, one of the uh, bad guys seduces Oscar the Grouch, singing a song titled, Come Out of the Can and Kiss Like a Man. Yeah, it was going to be a sexy Oscar the Grouch song. Yeah. <laughs> okay. They also sink Rubber Ducky while Ernie's in the tub. Oof. Rough stuff. And they also build a life-size robotic replica of Big Bird. You know, I admire that dedication. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, these movies sound like they would have been really fun. Um, you said they were supposed to be the first movies? Yeah. Um, wait, one one more thing, though. Um, the robotic president, Big Bird, takes his place, smokes a cigar, and rattles off inappropriate stories and jokes to world leaders. So, like, most real presidents. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> Yeah, so that that was the end of the of the movie because Big Bird burst in just in time and destroyed the robot bird. This sounds like um, some really weird, like like both versions. Mister Smith goes to Washington type stuff. Like, yeah, I kind of like it. I think it would have been fun, but I wish these movies were real. <laughs> I do too, but I think that's a perfect segue into um the other the actual first movie they made. Which was also about mm -hmm. Big Bird. Yeah. And it was Follow That Bird. Follow That Bird. Um, there's not that much to talk about in this one. Although I did watch it as a kid and I liked it a lot. Um, but like the plot is like... Weird like... 
Like, the plot is that Big Bird is essentially kidnapped by a society of birds that believe that birds should only be living under the care of birds. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they, like, kidnap Big Bird, essentially. I don't remember exactly how it happened, but they take him away from Sesame Street, presumably forcibly, because he doesn't want to leave. And throw him with a foster family of dodos. Dodos? Yes! I don't remember. Do they all have names? Yes. Daddy Dodo, Mommy Dodo, Donnie Dodo, and Mary Dodo. I don't know why two of them are based on Donnie and Marie. Um, I don't remember any good reason for that. But, um... You know that, like, Land Before Time meme that went around? The character Daddy Tops, who's, like, his, his one character trait is racism? Yeah, Daddy Tops is racist. Yeah, Daddy Tops is racist. Um, the Dodos were clueless and lacked awareness of their surroundings. Their daily family activities consist of hunting for worms. They tried to make Big Bird comfortable in his new environment, but often disregarded Big Bird's feelings and did not want him associating with anyone who was not a bird like themselves. This whoa! This prejudice upset Big Bird. So, like, that's what I'm getting at. The plot of this movie is like bird segregation, racism-y. Like, I don't like this. Like, I don't know what term I'm looking for, but the plot of this movie is like <laughs> an organization that believes that birds should be kept apart from humans and be raised by birds rips Big Bird away from his adoptive family and drops him with a like fanatically xenophobic I guess no that's not the right word because that's more country based I don't know what word I'm looking for someone tell me what word I'm looking for but a family that like zealously believes in that and that's just the plot of this movie Racist birds. Racist birds. That's that's the plot of Follow That Bird. And it's great. Yeah, like I think I think this was I mean I don't I don't hate that this one was made. I I would prefer if both of the movies had coexisted, both of the big bird centric Sesame Street movies. Yeah. But yeah. But this one's pretty weird and fun and interesting. Oh, right, I forgot. He, like, runs away from his foster family and he gets kidnapped by, like, carnival people. Carnies? Yes! And they cage him and they make him a sad clown. A sad clown? Yes! No, I remember now. He, like, gets caged up and is a sad clown. And, like, um, there's, like, a car chase with, like, the vehicles that have been road tripping to try to save Big Bird. And the, like, carny vehicle. And, like, Gordon or someone, I think, unlocks the thing and is like, Big Bird, jump on the hood of the car. And Big Bird's like, I can't. It's dangerous. And he's like, (laughs) I know, but I'm right here. I'll grab you. And Big Bird, like, jumps out of the cage onto the hood of the moving car. It's very riveting stuff. Little baby me loved it. (laughs) But, like... Yeah, no, I forgot that there's also that, like, little subplot where Big Bird becomes, like, a enslaved carny. 
a lot happened in this movie. This movie is weird. But also, like, this whole plot of Big Bird being with a foster family and the wiki referring to, like, the character who did it as a social worker made me curious about Big Bird and, like, Big Bird's family specifically. Because I was wondering, is Big Bird an orphan? And the short answer is yes and no. Cake sniffing orphans. No, no, not really, but kind of. I don't. It's it's unclear. Explain. Um, basically, episodes are just contradicting themselves left and right about it. Because in some oh. episodes, um, there's like an episode where a hospital receptionist asks if Maria is Big Bird's mother, and Big Bird replies. Not exactly, well, kind of, yes, she is. And in, like, a Mother's Day type song, he gives flowers to um, Nina, who I assume is another human character. I'm not familiar with her. But he gives flowers to Nina and refers to her, yeah, she's another human character, as a surrogate mom to him. Um, hmm. He does have a grandma bird who raised him as a baby, and she's still alive and out there because they like interact like when big bird's nest was destroyed he like called granny to be like hey can i have some help you're um, on your own kid i left you for a reason <laughs> but then like in episode 0302 I don't know if that's 302 I don't know if that's season 3 episode 2 um, Big Bird receives a coat from his mother and in episode 345 or season 345 I don't know again he babysits his sister's egg and has a sister named Esmeralda who he mentions later um so he mentions having a mother, father, and little sister Esmeralda. But they're not, like, a part of his life for no given reason. Okay. And his, like... And when he, like, refers to, like... Parents in a, like, actual, like, mother sense, he refers to, like, the humans, like, Maria, Nina, etc. Hmm. And, like... Okay. If he was still in the custody of his, like parent parents i don't think the bird social worker would have like taken him to the dodos which no. also raises the question of why the bird social worker didn't try to take him back to his parents parents there's a lot going on here <laughs> and i think part of the issue is something that i've just discovered in the show's first season big bird was supposed to be an adult Oh. Big Bird was originally portrayed as a village idiot. <laughs> like, sort of a dumb country folk, doesn't really know shit, like, you know? Um, But then they were like, no, Big Bird's not a village idiot. He's a curious child. So now he's six years old. And... um. That raises, and I think that that like disconnect of like when they decided he was six created these issues. Although, gran granted, that was the first season, so I don't know why they didn't just like do something about it from the second season onward. Yeah, but um, 
but yeah, there's there's a lot of I did I know this is breaking the lore, but there's not really any lore that I can give you guys about Big Bird's family and why he's separated from his family and why he's like kind of an orphan but kind of not and kind of adopted by the humans of Sesame Street and kind of not. Um, we just don't know. We really just don't know. Sorry, that's all. That's all I have to say about this. So we're moving forward. <laughs> that's all. Yeah. Um. So. One last small thing I forgot to mention that I remembered when I was researching Big Bird. In addition to like all the other magical things that we've been mentioning existing, Princess Kaguya exists in universe. Good. Um, I remembered watching this when I was a little kid and I could like only half remember it. There's a special where Big Bird goes to Japan. It's called Big Bird in Japan. And um, Big Bird gets separated from the tour group and ends up meeting this like young lady and she tells Big Bird the like legend of Kaguya. And then like the big reveal at the end is that she is Kaguya and she goes up to the moon. So, um, yeah, Princess Kaguya exists in, in the Sesame Street universe. She Good. is canonically real. Um, I support her. I do too. And segueing from that into some more strange, magical Sesame Street weirdness. Our last thing I want to discuss. Elmo saves Christmas. <gasps> Elmo saves Christmas. <laughs> this is another one that I watched as a kid a lot. Not as much as Elmo says, boo, but I watched it a lot. It was another one I had on VHS. Um, it's charming. Um, Elmo prevents a Santa Claus, like with an E at the end, type situation <sighs> by saving Santa's life. And Santa is like, you can have whatever you want. And Elmo, being a child, is like Christmas every day. Of course. What else? And then Santa sends him into the future. And it's been Christmas every day for a year. And Elmo has to see the consequences of his actions. And, you know, goes back in time. He's like, I made a mistake. And he still saves Santa. But this time he asks for a Moo Bunny plushie. Which, frankly... Why have they never made a Moo Bunny plushie? I've wanted a Moo Bunny I want since one. I was a baby. If anyone out there has any sewing talent and wants to make your favorite podcasters a Moo Bunny, I would be very grateful. <laughs> Getting a little choked up. Um, please make me a Moo Bunny, somebody. <laughs> I want a Moo Bunny. We both want it. We'll take pictures with the Moo Bunny. We'll like carry it like a baby <laughs> and take pictures and post them on our Twitter. Um... <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, so what I, the reason I want to talk about this is like the implications of the plot line because, um, so it's Christmas every day, but like, how does that work? You wonder, does it mean it's December 25th every day? So theoretically you should celebrate Christmas every single day. No, it doesn't mean that. Um, we still go through the normal calendar, just every day is Christmas. Which raises an interesting question as we go further on. I also want to point out, just before I get into this really hard, um, this movie also confirms that the Easter Bunny in universe is, um, a man. 
A man wearing just, a, like, bunny onesie? Just a man. Just a, a human man. A human man wearing a bunny onesie. They could have very easily made a a bunny Muppet, but they chose not to. Nope. It's a human man wearing a bunny onesie. When I post Frazzle, remind me to post Get Yourself an Egg for Christmas. It's a it's a classic. Um, but yeah, it's just, just a man in a bunny onesie. So keep that information in mind that the Muppet World's Easter Bunny is that. Um, but yeah, so that brings us to an interesting point. When Elmo goes a year into the future to Christmas of the next year, uh-huh. everyone is really, really tired of Christmas. Like, uh-huh. Oscar's still enjoying it because there's perpetual gift wrap like, garbage. Um, but everyone is tired of It's a Wonderful Life being on TV. Um, Birdo... I said Birdo. Um, Big Bird is depressed because Snuffy was visiting his parents in Cincinnati for Christmas and has now been visiting them for a year. Not allowed to come home. It's still Christmas. Yeah, it's still Christmas, so he still has to be visiting. And um, Maria and Lewis are upset because the fix-it shop has just been closed because it's not open on Christmas. So there's just piles and piles of broken toasters and they really, really, really want to fix them, but morally feel that they cannot because it is Christmas. <laughs> um, so that brings us to something interesting. If everyone's so tired of Christmas, why do they not just stop celebrating it? Because it's Christmas. Why do they not just change up their Christmas routines? Because it's Christmas. Why doesn't Snuffy visit other relatives? Why doesn't Snuffy visit Big Bird for Christmas? Why doesn't the Fix-It shop open on Christmas just this once? Why don't they show another Christmas movie? Miracle on 34th Street, for example. Or perhaps The Grinch or Elf. Why, you ask? Because Elmo's... I'm asking. Because Elmo's wish... Did something a little more malicious than just making it Christmas every day. It locked yeah. everyone against their will into performing the exact same Christmas routine that they performed on the Christmas that Elmo locked everyone into magical Christmas. Like, but they're aware of it. Oh, they're aware. And they are they're completely incapable of stopping. They're aware because I remember a scene where Maria throws a broken toaster or she like slams it on the table or something. She's like angrily holding a broken toaster. And she's like, I wish it wasn't Christmas all the time. But she's, it, it is. And she continues acting her Christmas routine despite being angry with it, despite being tired of eating that food, watching It's a Wonderful Life. Whether these people want to or not, they are magically compelled to perform the same Christmas routine to the point of absolute misery every single day. That's horrifying. Yeah, it is. Why would Santa Claus do this? 
Santa's like got some kind of genie streak going on with this one, I guess. Like he was like, this little kid wishes it was Christmas all the time. I'm going to really show him that this is a bad idea by making all his friends, family and loved ones suffer. Like, I guess the point was Elmo had to learn his lesson that if every day is Christmas, no day is Christmas. But like, that's not the lesson he learned. I feel like you could have learned that lesson just as effectively by having every day be December 25th, but people get so tired of it that they just stop celebrating. But no, Elmo has to learn his lesson by seeing everyone miserable with being magically locked into the same routines. Santa did this wish in the most malicious way possible. Santa was not grateful for being saved. Santa just wanted to punish this child. Santa, Santa what the fuck? And, and that's, in conclusion of this very long episode, with a lot of rambling, why I think Sesame Street Santa and Old Testament God would get along. I think they're the same person. You know, I think so too. <laughs> But yeah, good luck watching Elmo Saves Christmas the same way after After that. I know I'm not going to. I kind of want to watch it right now, though. I need to go to bed. I have work in like three hours, but <laughs> I sure want to watch the episode, so maybe I will. I don't think it's that long. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. I think it probably should. I mean, this episode's going to yeah. be very long. We've We've left you a lot of things to think about. Um, I don't think you're ever going to view Sesame Street the same way again. Um, I think you'll... I look forward to if any of you want to discuss grouches or magical Christmas compulsion or anything that we talked or, about. Or or, or or the worm uh, air and space association. Big Bird's or, uh, family situation. The custody agreement of Big Bird. Big Bird's presidential campaign. That too bird racism all of this it's really good yeah, stuff. There's, there's a ton of things <laughs> so you guys know what to do if you like the episode share it with people comment on it um follow our twitter both the breaking the lore twitter and our individual twitter twitters um my twitter was updated it's no longer vampiric sapphic it's now little cat girl nissa lil like l-i-l um, the new link will be under this episode, but the old link, I assume, is now a dead link. So, um, yeah, follow our Twitters, follow the Breaking the Lore Twitter, join our Discord server, the Goldie Ratio, um, to get updates and just to talk to us and hang out with us. Um, and like we mentioned earlier in the episode, check out our Patreon. We're actually planning on moving in together pretty soon, so... We could sure use the financial support if you feel like giving it in these tumultuous times. Um, but yeah, um, tell people about us, help us build our audience. And thank you as always for supporting us in any way you can. Um, thank you for just listening, just enjoying our episodes. And if you got something to tell us, please, we don't bite. Thanks for listening, everybody. Really appreciate it. Uh, check out the Dude Media Network. A lot of great stuff there. And just have a good have a good time. Check out, go go watch Sesame Street. Yeah. It's great. Go watch some Sesame Street. Not the whole thing, but the episodes you like. Or the ones with your favorite characters. 
Thank you so much as always. Goodbye. Good night.